0: Podcast where we talk about the 1990 Sailor Moon anime and have a yummy snack. I'm Jen, and as always, I'm joined by Tracy.
1: Hello, listeners. Uh, so, Tracy, do you want to tell us a bit about this week's snack? So, this week's snack is a delicious, fruity ice pops known as Melona. Uh, and they come in a variety of different flavors. And I think that you have strawberry, mm-hmm. and I have coconut, and I think... Ariana, you have banana, banana. So they're mm. very delicious. We'll talk more about that when we get to the snack portion.
0: Yeah. Oh, we all have different flavors. That's exciting. <laughs> uh, so today we have a returning guest. Uh, we have Ariana. So welcome Hi. back to the podcast. <laughs>
2: Thanks so much for having me back. I'm really excited.
0: Uh, so if you want to hear about uh, Ariana's past with Sailor Moon, uh, you'll have to go back and listen to episode six and we are currently on what 13 so hey that was a bit ago um but ariana do you have any new sailor moon developments in your life since the last time we talked um i recently started
2: following someone on instagram who makes sailor moon themed jewelry her username is um bisou lovely which is like b-i-s-o-u lovely and she creates the most beautiful jewelry that's inspired by the sailor scouts it's really pretty
0: I highly recommend checking it out. I'm writing this (laughs) down to check it out later. And it's very affordable, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to look at that after, because I like shiny (laughs) things.
2: Oh, don't we all? (laughs) (laughs) Is
1: it Bisu underscore jewelry?
2: Uh, Bisu lovely.
1: Oh, Bisu lovely.
2: Yeah. And she's pretty new, but she's, like, blowing up really fast on social media because her stuff is so lovely, just like her username suggests.
1: Ooh, awesome.
0: I love the like subtly nerdy things that you can do to to kind of celebrate your fandom, like rather than wearing, I mean, I like wearing like a Sailor Moon t-shirt too, but I like that if you have like some jewelry that's inspired by Sailor Moon so that it's like, if you know Sailor Moon, you'll look at that and go, hey, is that from Sailor Moon? But if you don't know Sailor Moon, you still look at it and go, oh, that's really pretty. Yeah, that stuff's the best. Exactly, 100% like the, the subtle call-outs to your fandom that you can get away with. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So today we are watching uh, episodes 27 and 28. Um, again, following the Japanese episode listing. Um, so episode 27 is Crushing on Amy, the boy who can see the future. And episode 28 is The Painting of Love, Usagi and Mamoru Get Closer. These were both... Awesome episodes.
1: I love both of
2: these. (laughs) 100%. I really had a good time watching these
1: episodes. They were just so like, there's so much happening in all of them. And I really loved in the first episode that we got to see a little bit more of uh, Amy because all the other Sailor Scouts, I feel like, get more airtime than her.
0: Yeah, they were these. Well, at least the first episode, uh, episode 27 was a little bit more fast paced, I thought. Because it felt like the plot was just motoring along, which was nice, and then all of a sudden it's like the act break or the the commercial break, and you're like, oh, but they just transformed. <laughs> so, but we'll get there when we get there. Uh, so yeah, we'll start with episode twenty-seven. Um, so this one is one of my since Ami's is one of my favorite. This episode is like near and dear to my heart because I loved Rio. He's so cute. Uh, I'm going to might call him Greg every once in a while because that's what he was in the Deke translation. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looks like a Greg though, so I can see it. <laughs> uh, but let's start with uh, some overall impression. Oh, actually, before we start with this episode, we should maybe say that uh, episode 27 is the start of the new opening cinematics. Same theme song, but new opening, which I was excited about.
1: Yeah. Um, Are- I really like it because because uh, up until this point, it was just the three Sailor Scouts. But now they're including Jupiter and Venus. So yeah. we have Jupiter, and we know Venus is coming just by this opener. And we have uh, Usagi as the Moon Princess all through the opening. So it's
0: like, hmm, well, if you didn't see that coming, which you should have. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Totally Spoiler alert now. <laughs> Although sure? I'm not sure if anybody really would watch this and think that Usagi was not the moon princess. Like, do you remember that being like a big revelation to you when you watch this for the first time?
2: I remember yelling at my TV screen. I'm like, she has the same hairstyle. Why don't you see it? <laughs> and she's the sailor moon. She's a moon sailor. How do you not make this connection to the moon princess? But to me as a little kid, I thought it was obvious, but maybe that's the point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so, uh, we'll go with episode 27. Um, Ariana, do you have any overall impressions of this episode besides what we were just saying? <laughs> there really is no um, format to this podcast, which
2: is <laughs> <laughs> No worries. Um, the, my overall impression was that, like, I skipped a bunch of episodes to get here. Like, I watched the episodes that we watched. I continued watching. And I kind of fast forwarded to this one and... Just, like, the level of um, complexity is growing. Like, we haven't even got Venus yet, and I'm like, oh, my God, it really takes this long for, like, Sailor Venus to get in the, ga- in the game. Um, but, yeah, I was just really, su- like, pleasantly surprised at the level of, like, character development, even with the side characters. Um and how different all the sailors are now compared to when they first come on the scene. Like, I really see them working cohesively together, and that was just a really surprising thing to come into with this episode. I just really loved watching them do what they do and having them all feel confident about it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you definitely see a lot more um, confidence, especially in Usagi. She's like... She does a lot of things uh, in this episode that are very brave, uh, and that's kind of out of character for her. But then she's uh, also completely in character by going, ooh, you have a crush on Dabi. <laughs> <laughs> that was earlier on in the episode, right? So I love that. <laughs> she, Yeah, she's still her. Um, but when she steps in the way of Zoe sight of all people, like, she's the big enemy at the time and tells Ami or Sailor Mercury to run, that that I feel is a really big step for her.
0: Yeah, so definitely.
1: Brave. Definitely.
0: She always has um, her friend's best interest at heart and this is when I was watching this with Karina that was something that we were talking about a fair bit was that uh, Usagi could have easily, when she found out that uh, Ryo has a crush on Ami, could have easily been like teasing Ami about it and you know dragging Ami up to the roof but instead she goes herself and she's like you have a crush you need to tell her your feelings I'm going to help you because she knows that it's she or she believes that it's it would be in the best interest of for Ami to realize that there's this guy who has a crush on her which I think is very sweet um, and also because she's so interested in love and romance and and bringing people together the fact that she really wants to help Rio who she barely knows uh, kind of reach out and get over the the awkwardness. Uh so I love that the whole plot of that is is basically Usagi trying to be cupid and really working hard to to bring her friends together.
2: Yeah, it's like one of her most admirable qualities that she like truly believes in love no matter where it comes from. She like sees it in other people and she's like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like that's her reaction every single time. Uh, yep. which is so lovely it's such a good character trait
0: yeah and then we see it developing later on and it gets her, her uh, like faith and love really gets tested later on when you know like right now they're starting to think maybe Tuxedo Mask is a villain and she's trying to reconcile her feelings for Tuxedo Mask with the fact that he may be a villain and he's like she just can't put the two of them together in her brain And then even in the future, when he kind of does become a villain, she never, ever loses faith in him. She's like, I know that in there you're still there and I'm going to try to get you out. She never is just like, oh, he's a bad guy now. Time to defeat him. So her she really runs the her faith is really, really tested in in the future episodes, uh, which is really a really big character step for her. Mm hmm. Uh, but we're not quite there yet. Um, I, I started writing at the beginning of my notes. Uh, Queen Barrel recap, because <laughs> the opening scene tends to be Queen Barrel giving you like the lowdown on what the rainbow crystals are and how many everybody has, and then it's just like, here's where what you need to know, and then we move into the the plot. But I like that it's like the main bad guy who does that.
1: Yeah, and then she's like always keeping score. Of, like, who oh has each crystal, and where are you failing Zoisite? Yeah. Because, like, Zoisite hasn't been, like, the main
0: character for too, too long. Uh, yeah, it's been, what, 25, 26, 27? It's been, like, three episodes where zoisite has been, like, in charge. And already, is like, you're disappointing me. So I think her, <laughs> her patience seems to be getting thinner and thinner as we go through the generals. She's just like, who here is
2: competent? Which one of my employees will actually get the job done?
1: Anybody? Anybody? Like, can we get this done? <laughs> it out loud! There's four of you. One of you has to be able to do this. Oh. And then we see like, so it's Suicide working with Malachite. I'm gonna call him Malachite. Um, so, so like Queen Barrel's like, okay, so I have to put two generals on this because this is taking forever. Yeah, but Malachite
0: has not done anything yet. Not yet, no. And he's really the most ruthless. Like, I, I he doesn't last too, too long, I remember. I could be wrong, because I'm going back to my memories uh, when I first watched this. But he is definitely the most ruthless. I still think Nephrite is the smartest, but Kunzite is the most cunning.
2: Mm. I agree with that.
0: Mm. <laughs> All right, so back to the cute episode. <laughs> which was so adorable so cute I love that Ami Ami obviously has whether she realizes or not Ami obviously has I think a crush on Ryu as well because even in that beginning where uh, Usagi is like "Oh, you got second place and she's just gushing about this boy who beat her and she's like oh yeah he's so good he got better than me I'll just have to try harder but it was really okay and Oh, there he is. And I'm like, she's just so like normally I maybe it's a culture thing. But normally if somebody beats you, especially when you've been the top for so long, you kind of would feel maybe a little bit of not anger, but just a little bit of resentment towards the person. But Ami is just like, oh, yeah, he's fantastic.
1: And I'm like, oh, you like him, too. It's so cute. But I think that's also her character. She's not Mm -hmm. really comes. She doesn't really come across as like the jealous type. I also want to point out that so she came in second, and did anyone notice that her cram school is called OK Cram School? I thought that was really funny. It's not the greatest. (laughs) She's just going to the OK Cram School.
0: Well, I mean, when she went to the elite cram school, she ended up being attacked by a monster, so I don't blame her. (laughs) 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 And Mako chiding Usagi because he's like oh you got bad grades but Bako was only up by like a couple grades from Usagi and they're like hey hey, hey, we're both bad at school.
2: (laughs) Sometimes it's just more fun right to like know that both you and your friend got a bad score it's just like oh we're bad together it's okay.
1: And I think that's really good because um it seems like Ami and Rei are a little bit better at school than Usagi is so it's nice to have someone that she can relate to in the group who's not really good at things. Yeah, until Minako shows up who's basically just Usagi
0: 2.0.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I think that um, like just the few opening scenes between uh, Ryo and uh, Ami is, it kind of explains that Ami has like a sort of charm that I feel like North American media did not allow Ami to have. They're like, oh, Sailor Mercury's the nerdy one. But it's like, yeah, like guys have crushes on her. She's extremely pretty and super smart. Like she is very charming. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that's an important thing to note too.
0: Yeah, like she's super smart. She's very pretty. She's very kind. Like I would, she's arguably the most kind out of all of the Sailor Scouts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those are very, good qualities in a person (laughs) like Mm -hmm. they shouldn't just kind of sweep that under the rug and stamp her nerd it's like she she's got a lot of very endearing very positive qualities and as we see it we've seen in previous episodes where she's confronted neflite and in the next episode where she basically steps up to uh help with the monster like she's also very brave well this one too where she puts rio behind her and is like you know i will defeat him so like I I think yeah she gets a bit of a short straw in the North American dub.
1: I think it was earlier on, I think the second episode after we meet Ami. She introduces herself very politely and Usagi's like, "Oh, you're even like better at introducing yourself than I am." <laughs> so like we, <laughs> we see that overall she's like a very um polite and kind person. Mm-hmm. And just kind of knows she's more mature than Usagi is.
0: Yeah, they're definitely different. Like for all of them being basically the same age, they're all very different levels of maturity. Um, and I think Ami is definitely the most mature.
2: <laughs> 100%. She uh, has some a little bit more of a conscience than the other girls at times.
0: And she can see, like, and, and again, because maybe because she's so smart, she can always see the big picture. So she's always, like, you know, a little bit more cautious Yeah. when she needs to be. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Mamoru slash Tuxedo Mask now. <laughs> well, because now we know, now that Mamoru knows who he is... Do you notice that Tuxedo Mask in this episode and the next one seems to be a little bit less or maybe like a little bit more um, self-serving than he used to be? Because it used to be that he would show up, he would spout his rhetoric, he would save Sailor Moon, he would defend Sailor Moon, and then he would leave. And now it's like he knows what his mission is and he's being a little bit more like, bye Sailor Moon, I
1: got to get the crystal. I think he has more focus now uh, Yeah. because before he was like in a trance whenever he became Tuxedo Mask. So now that he is able to have a real goal, then he's able to go after it. I don't know if he's more selfish, uh, but we've never really seen the internal thought process of Tuxedo Mask before this point either. So mm-hmm. maybe he was.
2: Yeah, I think that, um, like, you know, before he was kind of not spinning his wheels, but, you know, because he was so unconscious of um, his alternate identity in both roles. um, Now you see him, you know, being a little bit more pointed. And I think that he has a way more personality now than in the episodes that I watched. Uh, You can see that there is a little bit of memory in him when he is tuxedo
0: mask now. Yeah. So, I mean, arguably, we could say that before, when Mamoru didn't know who he was, like you said, he was basically in a trance. But now that he knows who he is, he's got more control over his tuxedo mask persona. Oh, definitely. Hmm. Yeah. But he still feels driven to rescue Sagi and, and help out. So I'm like, I wonder how much control he actually has.
1: Good question oh. I, think he, I think he feels like there's a like there's obviously a connection yeah between them yeah he they maybe both doesn't feel. really yeah he doesn't really quite know what that is yet so stay these, tuned these are
0: the deep philosophical thoughts you can have watching this as an adult that you did not have when you watched this as a 15 year old oh my
2: god wait till we get into the last half of the episode i have lots of thoughts about it <laughs> <laughs> like this is this is some we could analyze this for a
0: long time. <laughs> uh, and why are Ray and Mamoru still dating? Like,
2: <laughs> oh my god! When I was little, I was so I loved Sailor Mars so much, but every time that I saw her and Mamoru together, I would get so mad because it was so obvious to me that Mamoru and Usagi need to be together. And also like. I just don't see Ray as the boy crazy. I know that in the anime she is very boy crazy, but in the manga she wasn't. Oh, uh, so I always was kind of like, are they actually dating? Do they actually
1: like each other?
0: I don't. Why?
1: I think it's important to just note that they're still dating because for a long time, like it's been quite a few episodes since we've seen them together. I think it was the doll episode. I don't even remember how far yeah, back that was.
0: I think oh. so. Yeah, it has been a while. That's why I was like, oh, they're
1: still dating? <laughs> why is that still, still going it. on? <laughs> Which is surprising because Mamoru doesn't strike me as the kind of person who's, like, doing things on a whim. Like, oh, this girl is dating me, so I'm just going to go with it. He's he As his character... As a person, he always seems very, like, focused on what it is that he wants to do. So it's, it is really weird that he's just, like, half-heartedly going through this weird relationship with Ray.
0: Yeah. And I always wonder how much Ray is really into it. Like, is it Mamoru that she really likes, or does she more like the idea of having a boyfriend? Because... I-
1: like, they she don't really... likes the idea of having a boyfriend. Hundred yeah. percent. They don't really have that much in common. No. But...
0: <laughs> and I feel like she's treating Mamoru more like an like going back to the doll episode and then this one. It's like almost like she's treating him more like an accessory. It's like I need you on. My, I need to be like holding on to your arm and you know like you need to come with me places and he's just kind of like yeah yeah whatever. But I'm like, why is he going along with this? He needs to learn how to say no.
2: <laughs> I think that, um, obviously, this, this will come up in later episodes, but as we see um, Mamoru's memories come back and his relationship with Usagi start to evolve, you really see him bloom in terms of, like, his personality and in his identity as Tuxedo Mask. Like, I think that um, he is just kind of aimless right now. Like, maybe he is more focused in terms of, like, what he's going after, but I think that he doesn't really know who he is, which is probably why he's like, oh, this might as well happen with Ray.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, yeah like the things he says, though, like when he's making friend of Usagi, it just seems like he wouldn't get involved in like a pointless relationship. Right. Wasn't like one episode He's like something about like love not being as important or something like that? I can't remember how far back that was. Yeah. Just I back know. when he's, yeah. like he when he's, was, like, being really cold. So he has, like, a, like, his, he's very cold in a lot of, in a lot of ways as Momoru. So that's why I'm finding it really weird that he's, like, trying to have this relationship with Ray. Yeah, he doesn't
0: really seem like he's in a place emotionally. Like, he's not, come, he hasn't come to terms with his emotions, enough to be able to date another person like he needs to figure out he should be figuring out who he is before he's starting to kind of socialize on that level with other people absolutely
2: I think that's something to also consider is like how different Japanese dating culture is to Western dating culture and how like it tends to be like you know very event oriented like oh you take you know someone out to a cafe you take them to the aquarium you take them to the amusement park and it's not like the super romantic like oh we've we've established that we both have feelings for each other and so we're going to date with the purpose of like falling in love Mm. might not be
1: exactly that yeah that's true yeah at least definitely for these these girls right because Mm. every time there's an event Usagi's like oh I wish I had a boyfriend to bring to this
2: exactly
1: <laughs> yeah that's true
0: oh man so difficult when you're not in the culture but it's really neat to see kind of like the little tidbits of of japanese culture that come out in an anime for sure mm-hmm. uh so where are we at now i love the picture of the burger of amy <laughs> eating the burger that's so cute <laughs> yeah
2: also uh, such a new soggy thing to have
0: yeah I'm, <laughs> like, I'm sure she's the one who took that picture
2: oh 100 she did she's like oh i'm just gonna suddenly take a photo of you after school while we're eating burgers it's normal and then she's like oh, i got it i was so slick
0: <laughs> 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 oh, it's so cute yeah um yeah, and then we have Ryo just motoring along. Like, this is a, a quick paced episode. There's not a Very. whole lot of filler. So, we're like motoring along. We've got Rio then confronting Zoicite, which I thought <laughs> was hilarious. It's like, so you're Zoicite. She, and he's like, how do you know who I am?
2: <laughs> In another anime, Rio would be the main character. <laughs> Yes. He can like see the future. He has like his own relationships with uh, the enemy. He is also like spoiler alert, a Yoma. So he could be oh the main God. character in another anime
1: for sure.
0: I should write that pen
1: fiction. Right. <laughs> it's really just all about him.
2: Yeah. Exactly. He, he can be the star
1: of a shonen anime. And it would be called Bunbu. <laughs> yeah. So I want to I wanna ask about that monster and what you may think about it because usually the monster has something to do with that person that's becoming the monster. But what's with the Swiss army knife? Like it has nothing. It's not psychic. It's not good at school. Like there's nothing that kind of relates. It's suddenly he's a Swiss army knife.
0: I don't think it's just a Swiss army knife. I think it, one of the things he shoots at them is a protractor.
1: Oh, is yeah, it like school supplies? Yeah. Oh, I thought he was like, uh, but, like shooting like Swiss Army knives out of him. It does look like a Swiss Army knife.
0: Like it's the color. I'm just looking at pictures, but well, yeah, one side is definitely scissors, and the other side looks like a protractor.
1: Oh, that's quite possible. That he's, yeah, I,
0: I get It's a pencil case. From. Yeah, he,
1: he turns into a pencil case. <laughs> a lethal pencil case. <laughs> oh man
2: poor guy yeah that's the thing that i sometimes like you know i understand why it's like that but i'm like couldn't you just make him like super monstrous because if he's like one of the seven yoma like i wish that they were just generalized monsters and not like so much the themed ones that we've seen in other episodes
0: yeah because then it makes you wonder okay so like in the past when these monsters were around you assume that that's what they looked like in their past lives as well. Yeah. So was Bunbo the nerd of the seven great monsters?
1: Probably. <laughs> There's another <laughs> fan fiction. <laughs> well, it just makes the most sense, right? Because they're being reborn as humans. So these monsters are being reborn as humans. And you would think that they would take on some characteristics of who they were as monsters. So... He became the nerd. He was the nerd as a monster. And so he's a nerd as a human. And so I guess Bunbo also could see in the future.
0: I feel uh, like Now I gotta go back and like reanalyze these monsters.
1: That's like a stronger... I feel like that's such a stronger, like, cool weapon that he could have used. Is But it, he's just a scary pencil case. Like, they could have used the psychic yeah theater.
2: right like i'm gonna bring in another anime now but like in my hero academia there's a superhero who has the ability to see into the future and it makes him like a really strong like fighter so yeah, because you, you can, can
0: see... see
2: exactly you can see what yeah. the other person's going to do you can dodge you can attack them in ways that um you know will work for you it's it could have been really cool
0: yeah there's yeah. a marvel villain who does that too um, and he can he can predict all your movements and makes it difficult to fight you have to do something unpredictable in order to defeat him but yeah instead of a, just a pencil case uh-huh. <laughs> okay now I gotta go back and like analyze all of the Rainbow Crystal Monsters and figure out what they were like in the past <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah we can do that on
1: another episode
0: Oh yeah, no, I'm not going to do it right now. I'm just like, now I'm thinking about it. It's like, okay, I know. so in the past.
1: I would, <laughs> I would have to like take notes, that's why. I can't think of them off the top of my head. <laughs>
0: yeah, I only really wrote down about Boxy because I like him. Boxy's fun. I guess he was like the fighter because he's got boxing gloves.
2: Okay, so now that we've talked about how Ryo transformed into Bunbo, can we talk about his vision that he sees of like his scissors cutting Ami and like then she's naked which was cut from the North American dub
0: surprise surprise
2: obvious reasons (laughs) like we can't show this to children but it's like nothing was
0: revealed
2: nothing was but I understand like they cut so much stuff that I'm like yeah this is an obvious thing that they would have cut oh oh yeah but uh it's like you could analyze that scene deeply, like, oh my god, like, he like, <laughs> right? Well, like, it feels it's more mature than than the tone of the episode overall. That so seems yeah. like an Evangelion-level psychological thing you could delve into. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, because it's, like, his feelings for Ami as Sailor Mercury, and then his monster
1: nature, and then, yeah. No, there's there's a lot you could go into with that one. But it's also really interesting. So when he becomes Bunbo, the first person he attacks is Zoocyte, right? So he's still in there. And so even though he's a monster controlled by Zoocyte, there's still a part of him that wants to come out and express itself and do things that are against, I guess, like his nature, his monster nature.
0: Yeah, Zoicite says he still has a human heart, and then she, he has to, like, re-radiate him with evil energy. But, yeah, I like that. It's, I guess it's the... It, I mean, I guess the, the anime wants you to see it as the depth of his feelings for Sailor Mercury makes him fight his monster impulses and attack Zoysite.
2: Yeah, that's... um, Again... Just the healing power of the Sailor Scouts in general. They just make people want to do better. Yeah. And I'm so glad that, like, when they were fighting Bunbo, like, they had so much compassion for him. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like, they're all like, don't hurt him, don't hurt him, don't hurt him, which is amazing. And I like how she immediately tries to heal him and she can't because he's been supercharged. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, they definitely, now that they realize these monsters especially can be healed back into humans, they definitely have taken up their level of compassion, which is saying a lot because they were already pretty compassionate uh, to make sure that they're doing what they can to, to actually heal the humans, which is admirable and very sweet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's why she got the swanky moonstick.
1: <laughs>
0: oh my god, I think Usagi said something really funny during
2: the battle, and... I can't remember what it was. I do love how she yelled at Zoysite and was like, "How dare you turn someone's feelings against them, or something like that." It was really, really cute. What did she say? Yeah,
0: she got like super mad at Zoysite, like so mad, running because Bunbo's chasing her, and she's like, "I'm going to take this opportunity to stamp my foot and tell off Zoysite." I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah.
1: (laughs) And then Mercury's like, "Uh, "A little help here."
0: And then we get yet another new ability for moon's tiara is like now she threw her tiara and it ended up on his head and like just zapped him until his energy was low enough for her to heal him. It's like, does she even know what her tiara is capable of? I I kind of feel like her tiara can do whatever she wants it to do. Like she can will it to do things. I wonder when she discovered that though. It was probably when she threw it to and Naru stepped in front And she was like, and then she's like, I can do that. I wonder what else I can do. I hope that's what she thought anyway. Or it's just, she's going like in the heat of the moment by the strength of her heart. She's just like, I need to do something. Um, I'm going to do this.
2: Sorry, I'm looking through my notes about this. I was trying to take notes so I could remember what I wanted to say about all these things.
0: Yeah, I know. I usually end up watching the episodes twice so that I can... I watch it once through with Karina and then I watch it again and take notes. Because I have to so, pause it a lot.
2: <laughs> so often, right? Like, there's... like I don't know. I felt like this really was a jam-packed episode.
1: Mm-hmm. It was. And, like, there was nothing... Like, so many scenes were so important to the progression of this episode, and it just kept building in intensity. Because um, it starts off with the grades, and then we move into finding out that like Usagi's like, ooh, you have a crush on Ryu has a crush on Amy, and then they're like at the cafe. But then we see uh, Mamoru and Ray walk. I mean, like that scene is very short. But it's an interesting transition into that cafe where they're yeah, sitting. Yeah, and, and it also gives you the opportunity to kind of hear what Mamoru is thinking about knowing that he's Tuxedo Mask
0: mm-hmm. really
1: quickly. Like, not a second is wasted in this episode. It's, It was awesome. Yeah, it's one of my, like I said, it was one of my
0: favorites. Um, yeah, and I think Rio comes back again in a later episode. If I'm not mistaken, all of the Rainbow Crystal Monsters come back again. And I don't remember why.
2: But I'm pretty sure we
0: revisit all of them.
2: Yeah, that makes them feel more significant and it's not so much like Monster of the Week. Yeah. I I can definitely appreciate that.
0: Um, Oh, I just remembered about the episode with the fat cat that loves Luna. (laughs) 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 That's got to be coming up soon. I love that episode. (laughs) Because he's a rainbow crystal holder, the fat cat. Oh these uh, yeah the rainbow crystal episodes are pretty darn awesome
2: and as a kid i just loved the idea of those giant jewels like i wanted one so bad just wanted <laughs> that like <laughs> oh, sparkle me too. for myself oh yeah it's so good can i skip ahead and talk about how romantic the end of this episode is
0: oh yeah yes. of course
2: it's like deeply romantic I'm like oh my gosh do we jump straight into like a romance anime starring Ami because it could have totally worked
0: yeah I was like oh and I also loved uh, Usagi's face when um, Ami sees the burger picture she's like oh crap <laughs> <laughs>
2: um and it's also so sweet like also that was like a very slick move to be like here's a good picture of me yeah that was super slick i was like oh my god like i'm have some game like this is really <laughs> yeah. impressive
1: she's like i had this one prepared yeah she, yeah she <laughs> full out knew
0: she was gonna okay. do that so she's like here take a better picture of me when my mouth isn't open
1: yeah i like <laughs> this one better
2: yeah yeah that was really <laughs> awesome Oh my gosh. So good. Just yeah. lots of character development, a really propulsive plot. It was just really enjoyable.
0: Absolutely. Um, and yeah, like what you were saying before, I really like that it was a, a good spotlight on Ami and gives us a little bit more into her personality and that she's not just a nerd with a book and that she does have deep emotions and is capable of, you know, feeling love and romance towards other people even if it's just a crush and that she doesn't go all crazy like the other girls do she handles it very maturely (laughs) so yeah yeah.
2: good good job
0: Ami (laughs) way more maturely than I would have handled it at 14 for sure
1: (laughs) (laughs) more than than I handle it now (laughs) go Ami she doesn't like get all blushy and stuff she's like Come back and visit me anytime. And P.S. Here's a better picture of me. (laughs) With my number on it. Yeah. Yeah, So slick.
0: Yeah. Do we have anything else we want to say about this episode? Or shall we segue into some popsicles?
2: Let's do the popsicles. All
0: right. Awesome. So with that lovely segue... Did we even have a segue? Anyway, we're
1: going to have <laughs> snacks. So Tracy, do you want to tell us a bit about these? All right. So they're called Malona. Um, and I think that's because the original flavor was like a honeydew flavor. But they've since expanded. And they have honeydew, banana, mango, strawberry, and coconut. They're, um, they started in South Korea. And it was... In South Korea, Melona was the eighth most popular sold product in 2007. So wow. that's pretty, pretty interesting. Mm. What I really love about these bars, mm-hmm. opening mine, is that the flavor is really intense. They taste, so they taste intense. like strawberry ice cream. This is
0: awesome. Okay, these have been sitting in my freezer for like a week. And it's been very hard not to eat them. i am just mm-hmm. got to say. But the things I do for this podcast, I was just.
1: Mmm,
0: Strawberry's delicious.
1: I have Brad's coconut. It's very coconutty. Brett's Brad, gonna have to edit out a lot of sucking noises. <laughs> That'd be funny if you cut that out and put that as your cold opening. <laughs> <laughs> Now you've given him the idea. He might.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mm. It's a little bit creamy. But it's not like ice cream. It's just like a hint of cream. They make
1: them with ice milk. Mm -hmm.
0: It kind of tastes a little bit like Starburst.
1: The strawberry one would, I guess.
0: So how are your flavors?
1: Real fruit. I don't know. I'm really liking this coconut. I don't normally get the coconut. Like my favorite flavors are the banana and the mango. But unfortunately, they didn't have any at the store. Because every time they have them, they sell out like immediately because they're that good. (laughs) So how's the flavor though? Does it taste coconutty?
0: Yeah, it's very coconutty.
1: How's your banana? I know. Did we lose Ariana? Mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: Did we? It says she's still there. Oh, she says wah. <laughs> Can you guys not hear me? No, we can't hear you. Are you on mute? Can you hear us? I heard it
1: come back. Hmm.
0: Oh no. How about now? Yep. Yeah. now yes.
2: we can. Oh my gosh! What a what a trip. Um, sorry guys, I was saying a bunch of stuff, and I'm like, hmm, I guess I'm just gonna keep on going.
0: Uh, <laughs> so here I you? am.
2: I ate my popsicle. Um, Already. I, uh, I I have a hard time not eating these like extremely fast, and I don't get brain freeze, so it's gone. Um, I love the banana flavor; it reminds me of like Korean banana milk that you can get from like Asian grocery stores. Um, it also reminds me of like sounds so terrible, but you know like banana flavored medicine that you used to get as a kid.
0: Mm. Yes,
2: the best but in, a bed, but in a better way.
0: <laughs> Did anybody ever pretend to be sick just so they could get the banana medicine?
2: <laughs> I mean, I definitely considered it. I thought that stuff was delicious. I yeah. <laughs> thought it was awesome. Um, and I really love, like, the square shape of Malona. I think it's, like, immediately identifiable. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that a big TikTok trend right now is that you can blend ice, a couple Malona, and a soju flavor that complements your malona together into like a slush. And apparently it's really great. I really want to try it, but I haven't had a chance to go buy some flavored soju lately.
1: <laughs> that sounds really good. What's
2: soju? Soju is like um, Korean rice wine, I want to say.
0: Ooh.
1: It's like their yeah. equivalent of sake. Actually,
0: that does sound good.
1: Which is actually really good too.
0: Mm.
1: I can't eat it that fast though
0: because I will get brain freeze
2: yeah I I have a hard time um, with not devouring ice creams and ice drinks like I will chug them or eat them until they are gone I love them so much ice cream is my all
0: time fave oh yeah me too and I'm lactose intolerant so it makes the ice cream (laughs) I think I'm like now that I know this has a little bit of milk in it I'm like oh hope this doesn't hurt me later. Probably <laughs> ice not.
2: Ice really nostalgic for me because um, a lot of Asian desserts are based on milk as opposed to cream. Hmm. So for me, it's like, oh, it tastes like when I was like a little kid and having like, you know, ice cream at a random Chinese restaurant. It was always ice milk.
0: Oh, that's nice. It is nice.
2: But yeah, Malone is like one of the things that I always pick up whenever I'm at the Asian grocery store. Like even if I'm at, like, I don't have the space to bring home a whole box of them. I'll at least get a single one and, like, eat it on
0: my way home because I love it so much. Oh, I was at uh, Walmart the other day and um, <laughs> I was looking for egg noodles and I couldn't find any. But I did find uh, shrimp crackers. Oh my so God, I picked good. up another bag of shrimp crackers and I'm like, well, my addiction has been rekindled. Thanks, Sailor Snacking. <laughs> <laughs> I love the shrimp crackers. So good.
1: Awesome. Mm. Okay. How you doing, Tracy? I'm just enjoying my popsicle. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Are you ready to keep going? Yeah, let's keep going. The next episode's super exciting. So let's jump into it. This one was super cute. All right. So, episode 28. Ah, still
0: swallowing melona. <laughs> Okay, episode 28, The Painting of Love, Usagi and Mamoru Get Closer. Uh, And this one was cute because in addition to the new um, opening credits that we had, uh, we also have a new introduction for this one where instead of her saying, introducing all of the Sailor Senshi, she talks about how they're looking for the silver crystal and the rainbow crystals, which I thought was kind
1: of cute. It's like and she knows what's going on finally.
0: Yeah. And she's lost that um and she has for a bit, but I keep forgetting to mention it. She's lost the I'm forced to be Sailor Moon. And now she's you can even like in this little intro, you can see her being more confident in herself, which is super cute.
1: Yeah, but now we don't know what her blood type is. <laughs> blood type O, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> the main character blood type.
0: I got to look up what blood type says about you because I think I'm blood type
1: O as well. Well, I think that her blood type is very important. We're going to go off on a tangent here because she's she is blood type O and that's like the universal donor. And she's definitely the kind of person who would give everything and anything to her friends if they needed it, right? So I think that that's a very appropriate blood type for her. Not that, I don't know, your blood type really says anything about you, but... If it did, it's it matches really well. Well, I googled it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Japan has the blood type personality uh, theory. Yeah. So they associate personality traits with their blood types.
0: Yeah. So do you want to know what your do you want to know what your personality is? You have to tell me what your blood type is. I'm B positive. (laughs) Um, I don't know if it does positive and negatives.
2: Yeah.
0: And I know that.
2: Yeah, it says I'm passionate, creative, but also selfish and uncooperative. Un- oh, no.
0: Oh, this one says likes to get their own way, do whatever <laughs> they want without considering other people's feelings, rules and customs. Oh, my God. Happy-go-lucky and masters of breaking rules, but also optimistic, friendly and open their heart to anybody, not pretentious, afraid of being alone. Uh Get lonely easily, quick to adapt, flexible thinkers, pragmatists, don't chase a dream much, like to play, love festivals and parties, have been in love many times, and don't get heartbroken over lost love.
1: Oh, so they don't, like, um, divide it by negative or positive. It's just like A, O, B, and A, B. Yeah.
0: So, I don't know. Did did any of that kind of ring a bell with you, Ariana? Oh my gosh. I don't know.
1: Maybe. (laughs) There's, like, so many... There were so many things. So many. Oh, I... apparently
0: you and I are a great match for friendship, though.
2: hey What's Yay.
0: What's your blood type? Me? I'm yeah. uh, O. Oh. You're O. Oh. oh, okay. I don't, I don't care if your blood relates... type. This does not relate to me at all, though. Because uh, the first one is realistic. I'm like, Good at developing not... economic concepts. No. Vigorous not at earning a living. Yeah. Strong in face of adversity? No. Romanticist? Eh. Dreams of get rich quick, but actually takes a steady approach. I suppose. Uh. <laughs> Ambitious? Not really. Go straight toward their goal? No. Have leadership ability and often take care of younger people and people below them? I guess. I don't know. Very cautious? Yeah. Doesn't care about small things, takes a wider perspective and said no. Devoted, but with a strong desire to monopolize. I guess these are very much not you at all. I know. I'm like, I don't <laughs> think this is me. Uh, what blood type are you, Tracy? I'm a B negative. Oh, so you're the same as Ariana. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Except I'm negative. Except you're a negative. <laughs> so partner, or so so, uh, if you're both B type. It says if you're not careful, you may do things that are off the rail with each ah. other. <laughs> too funny. I love that. Oh, uh, there's um, a recommended diet. I've heard of those too. Oh, uh, mine says to eat more meat. I don't know. I went to a barbecue yesterday and I ate so much meat, I think I'm gonna die. <laughs> All right, so I don't really put much faith in this, but
1: I'm not Japanese. So maybe it's only, it's different if you're Japanese or not. But maybe those characteristics we should compare them to Usagi. So if we're yeah. gonna like list those O types, they kind of work. Some of them with her. Oh No, definitely not. No. Definitely not the slow and steady get rich, because how many episodes was she like, I'm gonna be a model? <laughs> right away. Or I'm going to yeah. be a superstar. Right away.
0: Yeah. I don't think she's great at developing economic concepts. Or vigorous at earning a living. But she is strong in the face of adversity. And a romanticist.
1: Definitely. Yep. Those those apply. I don't know about very cautious. Definitely not.
2: Yeah. Um, I looked up all the Sailor Scouts uh, blood types. And so Ami is A, which makes sense because she's so organized. And so is Mamoru. Um, Usagi, uh, Chibiusa, and Makoto are all type O, which means that they're like the happy go lucky, you know, fun, loving ones. And then yes. um, the only one of the um, inner senshi who's type B is Minako, hmm. which we'll see, I guess. And then the only one who's AB is Rei. So ABs are supposed to be like um, duplicitous or like a little bit two faced. They have uh, they're a little secretive.
1: Ah,
0: very interesting. interesting.
2: Yeah. So interesting. We could like get into this for like
0: a special episode.
1: Yeah, we're we'll going to have to do like
0: stuff. <laughs> Special episodes
1: of. Uh... <laughs> and it'll be more it'll interesting to... when we get Monaco, right? So we yeah. can compare them all. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, but let's get into this episode. Um, we get the Queen Barrel recap again. <laughs> I love it. She's like, so there are three crystals, and you have one. What is up with that? Uh, and then in my notes, I wrote,
0: "Luna, we should treat Tuxedo Mask as an enemy." Usagi, I don't wanna. Promptly loses Moonstick. <laughs> that's the most
2: accurate uh recollection of events i've seen yet
0: yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, uh yeah i guess you want to do overall impressions or just keep going right through it let's just get into it all right
1: so yeah basically that's how it starts Saki <laughs> loses her moonstick yep oh. but she definitely redeems herself in this episode.
0: <laughs> That scene's right up there with her using the moonstick as a hammer to break open her piggy bank.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I mean, for the plot, it's really important that she loses the moonstick because she spends so much time with um, the artist, Um, yeah. Umemi. Yeah. And if she had the moonstick on her, then it would have been beeping the whole time. Yeah. Um,. So yeah,
0: so they go to an art gallery and they see all these beautiful paintings um, that trigger something in both Usagi and Mamoru. That feeling of nostalgia, which is super cute. They're really nice paintings, too. So pretty. Like, I almost wish I could buy a print of them, but I know that they are not real. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) You can't buy stuff from anime. Um,
1: Really, you should be able to. I mean... They sell everything
2: online. <laughs> you can buy a lot of t-shirts that characters wear. I know that there's a lot of websites that will have, like, the weird t-shirts that are featured in a certain episode. Which is awesome. Um, I really like that throughout all of this, Usagi is still, like, such good friends with Naru. Like, it doesn't... Like, her life as Sailor Moon never impedes
0: on her friendships. hmm Yeah, she still is taking time to... And it is nice to see that that Naru has
1: healed a bit more. <clears throat> yeah. After like her... she's, not, she's not so sad anymore. Yeah. Uh, and this is kind of where we start to see Umino's feelings kind of blossom for her.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Well, that part was so cute. It was so cute. Where he's like, uh-oh, I suddenly find myself alone with Naru. <laughs> <laughs> He's still kind of a creep. I mean, like, he comes in and he has this history on the artist Umemi, And, yeah, he still has his, like, creepy tendencies, like, lurking in corners. But, you know, now his affections are targeted towards Naru.
0: Did Naru invite him, you think? Or do you think that, because Osaki was surprised to see him there, but Naru didn't look surprised to see him there. Yeah,
1: she... Well, I don't know. Usagi looked, like, creeped out. She's like, why are you here?
2: Yeah. Yeah. She just not want a guy to, like, you know, cut in on her time with her best friend who's the girl. Until she sees the and she runs night. off. Exactly. <laughs> but, okay, <laughs> so... Usagi thing to do.
1: Yeah. So the reason why she runs off is because she wants to catch... Mamoru with another girl to like tell Ray and I'm not sure if that's to tell Ray because she cares about Ray or to tell Ray to devastate her no I wrote down (laughs) Usagi sees opportunity to get Mamoru in trouble and runs
0: off I think he wants she wants to get like she wants Ray's anger to be directed at somebody other than her so that she can watch
1: oh yeah that's also the third option and that works as well yeah that's the impression I got (laughs)
0: It's like, oh, Ray's gonna be so mad I gotta go tell Mm -hmm. Uh, It's so cute Um,
1: And then she doesn't immediately Yeah um, She doesn't immediately pull out her iPhone Which, to snap a pic Which is also another um, Throwback to how this is in the 90s Because that's what you would do, right? If you saw, like, a man with another Like, your friend's man yeah. with another woman you'd be like oh I'll just take a pic uh, this is 1992 she would have had to pull out her film
0: camera taken a picture brought it to the film developer <laughs> waited a week for it to be developed and then unless you want to pay extra to get the speed developing and then go through and make sure that hopefully the picture's not like blurry or your thumbs over top of it or something and then give it
1: to Ray. <laughs> oh yeah and then knowing Usagi like her thumb or her hair would be in the picture and obscuring the view yeah. And she'd be like, no.
0: <laughs> Although she did manage to get a really good shot of Ami and the burger. She
2: Such did.
0: a good one. But Go if again. it really counted, she would mess it up for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and then so the artist Yumemi decides that uh Usagi and Mamoru need to be her models. Um And the thing is, is that Mamoru's protesting the whole time. He's like, I don't have time for this. I don't want to be a model. I'm like, then why are you there?
1: Like, he has real problems saying no. He really does. Um, At one point, he's just like, I only stayed because the coffee was really good. (laughs) And you know what? I'd stay for a good cup of coffee.
2: (laughs) All he had to do was sit there. I was like, it's kind of inscrutable
1: sometimes. But yeah. I think also part of it is because he was drawn to the artwork. Like, there's something about it that triggers him. And I think that's what makes him stay. Yeah, and but he
0: doesn't know what it is yet. And I also think that there's something about Usagi that draws him to her as well. So he's, whether he realizes it or not, he's probably thinking, or subconsciously, he's like, I can be with Usagi and I can be figure out what these paintings are about Um but he doesn't have enough emotional intelligence to realize this at this point so he's just kind of sulky but they both ex-
2: exchange like really cute looks while they're modeling
0: which i yeah. loved yeah it's like it's almost like this is the start of an of of an affection between them like before it was like a almost like a well not quite a friendship but you know it was developing in more like a friendship with uh but then you get these cute looks, like you said, and it's like, is thinking to herself, oh, he looks kind of handsome. No, 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 I love Tuxedo Mask. And Mamoru kind of looks at her and smirks, so I'm like, mm, it's starting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, kind of, it's really adorable.
2: I really appreciate how much of a slow burn Usagi and Mamoru's relationship is, that they give them a chance to develop on their own, as opposed to like tossing them together and it's like your past lives were together now you are together like they actually did have to overcome their current circumstances to get mm-hmm. together
0: Definitely. and they aren't
2: just throwing it in like they actively dislike each other for a lot <laughs> of the show yeah and then it I mean, 28 up. Really
1: episodes cool. in right
2: i know they still like haven't really had a real conversation uh where both of them are okay with it. Like, both of them end up insulting each other at some point. And this was a nice, quiet moment between them, where it wasn't, like, them fighting.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, like, all the previous moments where Mamoru seemingly, like, he, like, inserts himself into Usagi's life, almost. Like, when she goes to ask Motoki for advice, and Mamoru's like, I'm coming, too. Um, and, when or when she goes to the anywhere and he just shows up he's just kind of like oh well I guess I'll I'll be here with you guys for a little bit because like like what we were saying I think he feels that draw to her but he's not really he hasn't come to terms with it quite yet but yeah I love the slow burn I think it really makes it it makes it when they get together that much more special and then when they're torn apart that much
1: more devastating he's also like exactly. a really lonely person I don't think he'd ever really admit it uh, but he doesn't have a family, so he's like an orphan, living on his own, he's in his late teens, and it seems like his only other friend is Motoki. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I think he's looking for a place to belong, but he doesn't know where that is. He's gonna find it. <laughs> and it. Yeah, and it's also like,
0: or he's found a place he wants to belong, and he doesn't know how to get in. Like, he wants to be with Usagi and her friends, and he wants to be part of this group, but he's not quite sure how to step over
1: the threshold basically. So And he's always saying like these really negative things. Um but like uh, one thing he says in this episode is when you like, Oh, I don't have any friends and he's like, those who cannot make themselves happy cannot make others happy. Um which I don't think was really cold, but to Sagi she's like, Why do you have to be so cold all the time? Right? Mm-hmm. So it's like he's not It's his delivery. Yeah. It's, he can't quite fit in the group. Like, he's an outsider Yeah. trying too hard, or he's... Yeah,
0: we talk a lot about the maturity of the girls, but we haven't really talked much about Mamoru's maturity. Like, he comes off, because he's older, he's trying to be more mature, but I don't really think he's all that mature.
1: No, I don't think so either. I think he really is just trying to sound more mature. Even when he's Tuxedo Mask, a lot of, like, the advice he gives or the phrases he says sounds like stuff you get out of a fortune cookie. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's definitely. like, I read that summer somewhere and it sounds good. I'm going to say it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So, he, yeah, like you're saying, he's definitely not had the upbringing that Usagi's had, like, with a family to, like, give her love and support and warmth and to help her develop her her compassion. Uh, He's been, like you said, all on his own and hasn't had that really. So I I mean, I think like all of the other people in this entire show, practically, he's drawn to that part of Usagi as well. Like he really probably, I think that he feels that he is missing that part of his life and that Usagi's got it in spades. So he's trying to like, get closer to her, but doesn't know how. And so it's very awkward.
1: (laughs) It's almost like that hey Arnold Helga kind of thing going on where he doesn't know what to do so maybe he has like a tiny shrine of her made of bubblegum in his closet who knows
0: uh, I'm just picturing a bubblegum Sailor Moon head and I'm like bleh <laughs>
2: um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Yumemi because she is such a lovely character yes and I love how she is experiencing, like, recollection of her lost memories as well. And I think that it's, like, again, like, we're starting to see, like, a lot of depth here that uh, is starting to be explored a little bit more thoroughly. Like, it almost feels like, you know, all the puzzle pieces are kind of starting to come together.
1: mm Yeah. Yeah, So like, it's important that she, so at first I was wondering, like where does she get this idea to draw that drawing that looks so obviously like tuxedo mask and the moon princess, right? Like where does that idea or memory come from? So she can still remember what it was like to be a monster, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's definitely drawing on, on, uh,
0: that past Was it the great, was it the rainbow crystal monsters that attacked the moon kingdom? No, I think they were just soldiers.
2: The thing that's really interesting is because like she can re- recollect these beautiful moments and she re- remembers the, the memory as painful. Yeah. Which is a very interesting perspective from a quote unquote Yoma.
0: Yeah. So OK, if I'm remembering the history correctly, and again, I'm not sure because I've been in this fandom for so long, I don't at this point, I'm not sure if it's from uh, fan fiction I've read or from something I've come up with or from this or from like there's from the mega. There's so much going on. But I think that the the war with the moon in the silver millennium, uh, it was Beryl basically turned the earth against the moon and uh, because she wanted Endymion. And so she got the, the generals and, I guess, the army of the Earth to come and attack the Silver Millennium. So I'm wondering if the seven great monsters were soldiers in that army that, I guess, were transformed into monsters, kind of like in Captain America, given like super soldier serum or something to help fight the Moon Kingdom. And then were sealed away when uh, Queen Serenity sealed away everybody else and sent them to Earth.
1: That's my theory. Oh, okay, it, it makes sense. It sounds like someone might have written a fan fiction about that. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know if it was me
0: or if it was someone else or if, I if it, it
1: hasn't been written yet. Write it.
0: Yeah, it's the, this is the problem when you've been in a fandom for su- such a long time is that you don't remember where all of this stuff comes from or if it's something that you've put together
1: yourself. But that's my theory. That and like, there's so many different series like of Sailor Moon and the manga that are just ever so slightly different, right? It's the same storyline, but there's elements of it that are different, and there's different parts of it that get revealed in different, um, different series, right? Mm-hmm. And in the well, movies and yeah, and like the the whole Rainbow Crystal
0: thing we've said before was not in the manga, so this is a a, a whole plot development that's exists outside of the manga um and so i'm like maybe this is how you kind of squish it into the chronology so that it still makes sense right
2: yeah they had to get really original with um with the anime in terms
1: of adding content mm-hmm. i'm wondering does anyone ever ask what's canon in sailor moon because i i know that that's a big thing For the Dragon Ball world, it's like, what is canon and what isn't? Because some of the movies and some of the shorts progress the storyline, but then it might not be like the real storyline. Do you ever come across something like that in Sailor Moon? I'm trying to think of
0: when I was more involved in the fandom, if that ever really came up, but not really.
2: Yeah, I know that, that you can definitely Google, like, what are canon episodes, but a lot of people believe that what the canon is, is what happens in the manga exclusively, and a lot of people just view the anime as um, its own
0: storyline, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even the the storyline between um, the manga and classic Sailor Moon and Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon, um, like, they're different. Um The ending of Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon is completely different than the ending of of classic Sailor Moon or the manga, which is really cool. But I guess, like, they almost all exist in their own little pocket universes. So it depends on which universe you're
1: talking about. Gotcha. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So they're all very separate. I think so. Mm -hmm. Because I was always more
0: firmly in the anime than anything else, because that's what I grew up with, and I didn't have access to the manga until I got old enough to buy it for myself. Um, but now and that you can was just almost... get it from your local library. Exactly! Uh, so most of my history and recollection is anime-based. Uh, yeah, we really need to watch Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. It is...
1: Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, you mentioned... Yoma form is so pretty. <gasps> I love it. Pretty.
0: I wrote Look. in huge letters. I love this monster. She's <laughs> so like, like a like an an angel. angel. Yeah. yeah. So but pretty. Why why is Sailor Moon so scared of it? Like she says several times looking at Vina, which is the name of the monster, she says, Oh, so scary. Like twice when she sees it. When she sees uh, Umami transform, she mentions how scary it is. And then once when they're fighting, she also mentions again how scary it is. And I'm wondering why she finds this particular monster so frightening. It's a good question. I think that maybe it's just because, like, she is,
2: <sighs> I don't know, she seemed like a very competent <laughs> monster, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, she could actually do some damage. Um, A lot of the other ones seemed, like, a little bit dull, maybe, in comparison, even though she, like, Sailor Moon was really afraid of other ones in the past. I don't know. I found it funny how she's like, you gotta be brave. Oh, my God, that's so scary. You gotta do this. Oh, my God, that's so
1: scary. (laughs) I think that's more, I think, showing her development, especially in these last, these two episodes, she becomes so much more competent, almost, Mm. like so quickly and overnight she really saves the day uh, in this episode Uh, I really love that she saves Tuxedo Mask oh yeah I have thoughts on that whole fight
2: yeah oh my god it's so beautiful
0: yeah so she saves Tuxedo Mask well so first of all even before we get to that port Tuxedo Mask saves her drops her and leaves after Zoizite that's when I was like so is he forgetting the whole I'm supposed to protect her thing because it's still just her and a monster. And he's like, see, I'm going after Zoysite and the crystal. But then Sailor Moon
1: basically does the same thing. <laughs> the Senshi show up and she's like, see, I'm going to Tuxedo Mask. Well, he never really like defeats the monster, right? He's always just there coming in in the nick of time. And then he's gone. Mm-hmm. So that's really his role. Yeah,
0: but usually if it's just Sailor Moon on her own. He sticks around to make sure that she's okay. Yeah, like, I guess that's true. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so then Sailor Moon uh, uses her tiara to stop Tuxedo Mask from being stabbed by a crystal. Um, which is the first time, we should start keeping account of this, this is the first time where a Tuxedo Mask is uh, threatened by a crystal. Yes. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> it does happen money. more than once. <laughs>
2: Um, and then just, like, that beautiful scene where they're on top of a building, question mark, the construction site, Mm -hmm. and the background behind them is so lovely, and they have that, like, really sweet exchange that's, like, both painful and romantic.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. so complicated. I know. I like that Sailor Moon is like, you know the princess? We're looking for the princess. Um... And then he says, uh, he doesn't know where the princess is, but he needs to, he says to keep the the locket until uh, he finds the princess. But that in regards to the rainbow crystals, they could consider themselves enemy. And then, and then it's the best part is Sailor Moon's like, oh crap, there's still a battle going on.
2: That was so funny to me. I laughed so hard. Um, <laughs> she's like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, she's like sitting there, like being like super emotional for a second. And she's like, oh, my God, they're fighting. <laughs> so <Whoops>.
0: funny.
1: <laughs> it's like so very typically her.
0: Yeah, yeah. it was a sweet yeah. moment. But it's really interesting that we missed that entire battle with the senshi fighting uh, the monster to go off on this little side battle with Zoysite, Tuxedo Mask and Sailor Moon.
1: So my, I think, fa- yeah, my favorite part is she calls for backup, which, yes, I don't think she's ever really done before. Not not like in a very serious way, like she handles this situation really well. Mm-hmm. So she arrives on the scene, she calls for backup, she does what she can until her backup arrives and then she's going after the crystal or which is the next part of her mission. Like this is the first time I really see her super focused on what the goals are. Yeah. And, and
0: Luna even compliments on her. She's like, you did a good job of handling this on your own. And she's like, thanks. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, it's just a really beautiful moment. Like it, it brings you up to like a bit of an emotional crescendo, I guess Mm -hmm. that, settles down again before it like raises up again like the stakes keep getting higher and i really like it
1: and then she like has that comic relief where she's like oh oh shit i gotta get back
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah. just when you start just because you don't want the show to start to think that it's getting too serious they Mm -hmm. have to throw that in right (laughs) Uh, and that's basically the end of the episode they heal they heal the monster back into you and with her newfound confidence you decides that uh she can, you know, be herself and and put up her own self portrait, um, which is really sweet. It is Us- Usagi is very good for other people's self esteem and self confidence. Oh she God, that's is. so good! She and is she kind so of be-
1: kind of becomes like Umemi's first friend, right? Yeah, yeah. She always wants to be everyone's friend, which is yeah. so sweet.
0: Definitely one of the most endearing qualities of Usagi. She's just so full of optimism and love and sees the best in everybody.
2: Yeah. She really um, sees the potential in everyone and wants them to get there. And, but she also accepts people for who they are. I don't know. It's a mix of the two. Yeah. But it's such a lovely, again, just like, she's just the best girl. She's such a good girl.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: <sighs> Makes you really love the person she is.
0: Yeah, and like I always, the the evolution of her character from like the beginning of Sailor Moon Classic, like this first season, all the way to the ending of Stars, is that that's like the core value she never really loses, is that she wants to be friends with everybody, she sees the good in everybody, and she can kind of, even when she's facing like this hor these horrible evils, she can always hold on to
1: that and, and it keeps her going. I think that this is because first episode where I'm like really impressed or rooting for her up until this point I've always just thought of her as like oh she's just like screwing up all the time Um, but I was really impressed with her in this episode and I'm really amazed at her character development in these last like 20 episodes from like that first episode where she's like crying constantly and just such a goofball And then Mm -hmm. now, where she's, like, asking these really hard questions that she doesn't know what the answers are. Like, is Tuxedo Mask friend or foe? Um, She's not being driven just by her, like, girl-crazy love. Uh, And she is considering what that might look like if they are enemies.
0: Yeah. Whether she wants, she doesn't really want to, but she's kind of forcing herself to think about it, which is, yeah, a huge, huge step for her.
2: Yeah, it's a really um, just so enjoyable to see this arc happen. Like, mm-hmm. it makes you really excited for what comes next.
1: Oh, for sure. I am. Me too. So am
0: I. Uh, and speaking of what comes next, let me see what the next two episodes are. Haha, <laughs> good segue. <laughs> uh, yeah, so next time our two episodes are episodes 29 and 30, Total Chaos, The Messy Love Rectangle. And Grandpa Loses Control, Ray in Danger.
1: Ooh.
0: Exciting titles.
1: Yeah. The Messy Love Rectangle. Love Rectangle. I'm curious. I don't think I remember (laughs) watching this one. (laughs) Uh, I remember the
0: the one where uh, Grandpa Loses Control. He finds out that he's one of the Rainbow Crystal Demons, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. And we're getting closer and closer to... uh, Episode 34, which is when we get the Moon Princess. Woo! So close! It's coming up. So exciting. Stay Mm -hmm. tuned. Definitely stay tuned. Uh, So, yeah, any last thoughts about the episodes that we watched? Um...
2: I just really want to see more of these high stakes, and I want to see more of uh, Mamoru Nusagi together. And it's so comforting to know that the anime will eventually deliver. So yes, yes,
0: it's one advantage of already knowing what's going to happen. <laughs>
2: exactly. Sorry, spoilers to anyone who's
0: listening of the over twenty-five-year-old anime. Exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> if you don't know by now, you should know.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we will uh, end it there. So um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, You can find us on Instagram at Sailor Snacking. You can email us at truenorthnerds at gmail.com or reach out to us through Facebook or Twitter at True North Nerds. Um, We're still piggybacking off of the other podcast that I do with my husband and our two friends, which is True North Nerds. So if you like general geekery, you can listen to that. Um. and yeah thank you again for being on our podcast Arianna
2: thank you for having me I always have such a good time
0: mm-hmm. it's always fun uh, yeah so thanks again for listening everybody and uh, we'll see you next time bye bye <laughs>